Hello and welcome to Core Sampler, the podcast where we drill into the Sitecore community to bring you insights into the work talented people are doing every day on the Sitecore experience platform. Whether you're a developer, a marketer, or both, we're glad you're here. And now your host, Derek Dysart. Welcome to Core Sampler. My name is Derek Dysart, and in this episode, we talk to Jeremy Davis. If you've attended any sort of presentation in the past several years, you've probably seen Jeremy's face. He is the man that's launched a thousand Sitecore memes. Um, also, if you've recently installed Sitecore on your local development station, you've probably used a script that Jeremy published on his blog. Um, we sit down and talk about solar as it relates to Sitecore, um, kind of the confusion around it. Um, it's not always a familiar topic to .NET developers coming to the Sitecore platform. Jeremy did an excellent talk back in last fall's Sitecore Symposium, kind of deconstructing solar and all the different bits and pieces of it. And we get into that. So without further delay, please enjoy this conversation with Jeremy Davis. Jeremy, welcome to Core Sampler. Thank you for having me. So it's, it's kind of interesting to finally get you on. You've, you've kind of become the de facto butt of every Sitecore <laughs> <a> <laughs> meme. For those of you listening out there uh, that may not know who Jeremy is, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? So I'm a developer and architect from the UK. I work for a company called Kagool, who are based in Manchester in England. And uh, yeah, I well, I got into Sitecore quite a long time ago because because Microsoft killed their content management server product and SharePoint wasn't fun. <laughs> uh, and Sitecore has been a nice piece of software to work with. And yeah, I've stuck with it since, basically. But uh, yeah, I have. I do seem to get my face on a lot of people's presentations these days. And I can blame Kagool squarely for that because they put my face on their website on a transparent background. And then some people just grabbed that and started pasting it all Absolutely, over. yeah. So. You're a good sport about it, though. Well, I mean, as long as it's it's all done in in jest and you know nobody's being rude, I don't mind to be honest. It's- yeah, I think the funny thing was so when we were at Symposium, uh, I was sitting next to you in in Stephen Pope's presentation on <laughs> on containers, and uh, he he had your face pop up all the time as, as almost like like a Microsoft Clippy. That was exactly how he described it to me. Yeah. And then it, it, so it's like, hey, did, did you know this about containers? And you look at me <laughs> and you're like, I don't know any of this stuff. <laughs> And, and people have been coming up to me and asking me questions because yeah, they think you're he now did the that. de facto expert on, <laughs> on containers. But so, was speaking of, you've become kind of the de facto expert on solar, which is you know I think it's and I think it stems out of. I don't want to speak out of turn for you, but I think it, you've done a ton of research of like I don't know how did this thing works and have done the work, and I'm like I'm I'm tired of like this install process. You're you're famous for having a. Uh, a Sitecore install yep. script or a, a solar install script. Um, and, uh, you know, going back to symposium, you did a presentation on, on solar, kind of the high level of what solar is in Sitecore and what, what it means to be. Um, and I wanted to sit down with you because I think you get Sitecore developers, you know, if you're working in an enterprise or you're, you're with a partner or something like that, it's typically like you're a .NET developer. You came from that. You understand Oh, I can install SQL Server because that makes sense. I know how to create database tables. And even though Sitecore, you really don't do database work, it's, most developers can wrap their head around it. And then 
right around the Sycor 9 timeframe when they phased out the Lucene indexes, now you had to run, well, you could run Azure Search, but you could most likely you're going to run Solar in order to run Sycor. Yeah. And I think everybody's like, what is this? Like, I don't know what this is. I, I think, yeah, basically lots of people have crashed up against the problem that the Azure Search is too expensive to run for development. Azure is definitely, you know, that can get up there and you know or maybe you're not running in azure maybe you're yeah. an aws customer yeah and and the yeah the idea that uh you want life is simpler if you can keep the same uh search software at each each of your platforms so yeah it doesn't make sense if you're going to to run an iaz deployment when you get to production to be using uh you know a, a copy of azure search for your development environment uh-huh. so yeah, lots of people just crashed into this idea that they needed an easy way to get solar on their laptop or on their development server. Well, I think it's even confusing, though, because there's so much, you know, you, you go to a production topology and typically you're talking, you need redundancy, you need, you need to be able to scale and, you know, is... I, sometimes I question is search, you know, it depends on your website, but search may not be, you, you're not, you may not need to scale that just because your traffic isn't going to drive that. Yeah, so... A simple Sitecore site probably doesn't need large amounts of infrastructure for solar for for load purposes. You do still need to have um, the redundancy there because Sitecore is kind of sensitive to search stopping working. Uh If um, I think there was a there was a point where there were some some quite fun bugs around the idea that if you stopped the solar service on your laptop components vanished from your pages and things because data sources did search queries yeah and yeah i mean a lot of those bugs have been fixed but you do still need the 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 redundancy to keep your site stable in production Mm -hmm. so and and then that kind of you know as you you're a developer on your journey of you know you've been tasked to figure out Sitecore. you know your your boss has been like here we just bought this or you know the marketing department Mm -hmm. bought it you figure it out (laughs) um now you're like, oh man, I got to do solar. Maybe you don't have solar in your organization. I mean, I've certainly worked with a number of customers where they're like, wait, what is you know, like we've got to run this this job well, application? For, for, yes, for for most .NET development shops, they would they would not that would not be their first choice because yeah, it, yeah, it runs on Windows, but it's it's Unix software that has been made compatible with Windows. So it it still kind of behaves in a Unixy way and expects you to think about configuration and things in a slightly different way and you need you need java and things that most .NET developers don't spend their time worrying about yeah i i mean i used to joke every time i you know like i i held on to lucene as long as possible because i didn't <laughs> want to install java i felt like i needed to take a shower after so i mean but that's just my history of being a .NET developer but um so but i think as you dig into it there's so much there, there's like anything there's there's nomenclature and stuff and there's different um, the different pieces and parts of it, I think, become confusing quickly. And I just, I, I, I know you've kind of gone through that. So there's, you know, you look at this, okay, so I got solar. And then, like, oh, well, then there's solar cloud. And then you need this thing called Zookeeper. Yeah. Um, and I think it becomes confusing, you know, what, what what's doing what. So I think at a high level, break it down. What are, what are the different pieces and parts? Yeah, okay, so... When you when you're sitting looking at a developer install of Sitecore, um, you and you have Solar, 
what you have effectively is a little black box where your search engine is keeping all of its data and it's got all of its configuration just sitting on disk and it it just works. But whenever you have to deal with scaling, the the biggest problem that the developers are facing in terms of making this work properly is how the the different instances of your your software share data. And the zookeeper is sitting there basically to to deal with this problem of synchronizing whatever data your multiple copies of solar need. So it's storing um, some configuration information about what search indexes you have set up. It's storing some of the the data about what's actually in your indexes. Uh, And it's making sure that this gets um, replicated and, and copied between your servers, so that it doesn't matter which machine serves a query, they all see the they all, all give the, the same, same result. So it's almost like I think a lot of people might initially look at Zookeeper like oh, it's a load balancer, and it's not really. It's no. just keeping stuff in sync across. You know, you've I, got how it was say three or four solar you know servers. You, you know, you remove you, solar and put SQL Server in there. It's almost like you are you need you know there's data behind it and it's so Zookeeper is what keeping the data in sync that's, across that's everything. basically its job. And it's it's a tool it, it's it's a piece of software that was just built to solve that problem. And I think outside of Sitecore and Solar World it's used to do that job in various other pieces of software as well. Uh-huh. It's just an easy to integrate tool for that synchronization. Great. And uh, yeah, you mentioned load balancing. That's actually the opposite end of the stack. That if you've got Zookeeper sitting on the left-hand side of your deployment, you've got your solar server sitting in the middle of your deployment, the right-hand side is a load balancer so that um, if one of your solar servers falls over, the traffic from Sitecore doesn't get routed to it anymore. Right. So, right. so that is that's still a part of the whole whole thing. Right. So we've got Zookeeper kind of keeping data in sync, and then what is what is Solar versus Solar Cloud? So really, the difference is just whether it knows about Zookeeper or not. Um, it, as I mentioned, the the simple developer deployment of Solar is keeping all its its index data just on disk locally, uh-huh. but. Um, Solar Cloud is talking to Zookeeper to fetch this data and fetch its com- some of its configuration, um, and it also brings uh, some useful uh, it kind of extensions to what you can do with indexes, because when you're you're doing a development deployment of Solar, you you have a linear kind of one to one mapping of I've got a site core search index, so I've got a single core for that in my Solar deployment. Um, when you start scaling out, you have to start thinking about the replication of your data between your your different instances of Solar. And Zookeeper is physically copying the data about, but Solar Cloud need it provides the 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 understanding for search queries about where am I going to get my data from, mm-hmm. and it's not cores anymore. It, they call it collections in Solar Cloud because it's kind of an abstraction over the top of. There's a fragment of my data on one server, and there's a copy of my data on another server, and maybe th- there might be there might be three copies of your data across the cluster, but collections hide all that complexity away from you, mm-hmm. so that the Solar Cloud UI still looks to Sitecore as if there's just a core to query, but actually you've got all this redundancy under the surface. Yeah, and I think I, I, I guess I'll stop you right there too. Is that's another one that I struggle with? Is what like explain to me what a core in in Solar is? A core is 
just think of it like a database basically right. it it's um it, i mean if you look on disk it's just a folder with some data files in it that physically store the index information the the complicated you know kind of tables of, yeah. of words and pointers for indexes and things like that uh-huh. that the search operations actually happen on um and when when you have this one to one mapping of index to that chunk of data it, you know er, everything kind of makes sense you know exactly where to go for your data you know what to ask for mm-hmm. but when if you're doing something like sharding an index so you, the data's been chopped into pieces and one third is on one box and another third is on another box um th- each of those shards is a core uh-huh. on disk yep. effectively but overall because you have you when you search you want to think of it as this whole thing yep. not little pieces collections is abstracting the idea of how many cores there actually are and where do they live and yeah and it like handles that. knowing where you know your search results five may come off of box one two off this one and yes exactly um so i mean i think that's that's a good understanding of what's what's in place so go over i mean obviously in an audio format like this we're not going to dive into the, the scripts you've written but like mm-hmm. what uh, kind of explain for folks and we'll definitely uh i'm, I'm going to link up to, to you know the blog posts and the scripts that you that you've released on um it's not so. It's, it's it's automating a lot of this install because it's yeah. it's it's fiddly stuff, right? It's 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 normally this is, you know, we're used to uh, as a developer a lot of times. You know, I think more and more Windows developers are moving to doing a lot more on the command line. So you have tools like Chocolatey for yeah. installing yeah. stuff. You know, it's almost like the the missing package manager for for Windows. Um, but so automating the install a lot of this it's it's solar is very fiddly to install yeah, uh, and i the, just kind of go over some of the scripts you've you've so, put in place so yeah a while ago i found myself in a situation where i was starting on projects and needing solar and as you say it's there's a it's fiddly there's various things you have to do to make it run and i looked around the the community and i have to i have to say that i was kind of inspired to do the the, the developer script i did on the basis that Cam Figgy had actually written something similar already, uh-huh. but he had written this from the perspective of using the Java tools for generating SSL certificates. Okay. And I couldn't make that work on my laptop. <laughs> so I thought, well, I'll, I'll just do a pure, pure PowerShell version. Uh-huh. And that seems to have taken off. <laughs> I've, in, in all my kind of, you know, Sitecore community career, I've never really been able to work out before I publish something, whether it's going to get traction or not sometimes there'll be a thing i dash off in five minutes that becomes you know gets retweeted all over the place like that script and sometimes i spend weeks on something and and people go oh yeah and move on to the next thing so i'm a terrible judge of whether the content is useful or not but that i i made that bit of script just because i had a problem to solve and it seems lots of people seem to think it's useful and that that works fine in development but it's much harder to deal with the the solar cloud deployment scenario because there's suddenly a lot more stuff to do because yep. you're configuring Zookeeper, you're configuring solar, um, and you have to tweak the Sitecore install because SIF doesn't understand the difference between solar and solar cloud at uh-huh. this point. So I, having done this for, having been given the job of doing those deployments for a couple of big projects in the last year, um, it just I just thought, there needs to be a way that I don't have to type all these commands. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, and this one, this set of scripts for Solar Cloud has ended up much more as a toolbox. Um, in the developer scenario, you just want everything on one box and you just want the standard settings. But for production, people are going to have different numbers of servers. Yep. They're going to have different requirements for um, for how things are set up and where they're put and what collections you need and stuff. So I, I've, well, I guess I, I've, just to help myself, I've just started writing little PowerShell commandlets that sort out some of these things that you can then compose together into a script that you can run to set up server one for Solar Cloud and then tweak a couple of settings and run it on another box to set up Solar, um, instance two. Uh-huh. Or uh, for, for people who just want to learn, fire up three instances of Solar and Zookeeper on your laptop right. just so you can play with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so you've got you still got three instances. They're not you know physically yeah. separated, I, but they're I, I, all I running in separate out, processes. Yeah, yeah. I should point out that the 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 right in SpeechMarks way to do Solar Cloud in your development environment is actually there's a there's some stuff you can do with Solar that just turns on a kind of built in single node Zookeeper thing. So uh-huh. it looks like Solar Cloud, but there's actually only one thing running. No. But if people want to learn, firing up three instances of everything so they can see how it all connects together and play with the idea of stopping a process to see how it reacts to failures and things like that. Yeah, is, well, and I think a, there's a, there's also the, the argument, too, that like maybe you're part of an organization that's got a, you know, a, a big IT organization and that they're, they're the ones that are going to set up production and mm. you kind of you, you guide them through like here's what we need for solar here's what you know here's how we're going to separate SQL Server and all that I mean it's all part of the planning of a Sitecore install but you as a developer or as you know as a tech lead on there you may be responsible for setting up the the, the user testing environment yeah. so you want you want the same um, the same look and feel scripting gives you repeatability right. So it's now you can you can have and it, maybe you're not on physical boxes because it can get expensive to be running on you <laughs> yeah. know all these different servers especially if you're running somewhere like Azure or something but now you've got you don't have the redundancy you don't have the physical redundancy but now you've got your three or four or however many you know instances of Solar Cloud running and Sitecore in your test environment and UAT environment is yeah, it the gives, same it, as production. It gives you it gives you the freedom to def- decide which aspects of the production setup are the the ones you want available in your test environment to make your tests as realistic as you need. Uh-huh. And yeah, you don't necessarily have to have the same amount of hardware, but you've got the same processes and and things like that. So you can you can test the scenario of someone reboots one of the servers or something like that. And what happens? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's great. That's great information. I hope it's useful for you know. It, for myself, it's been useful because, you know, as I've mentioned, I, I held on to not using solar as long as I could <laughs> and kind of went kicking and screaming into, you know, now with Sitecore 9, you have you really have no choice. So it's, uh, I, I, I can speak on behalf of the community. I know the scripts are, have helped countless developers just like to get their environment set up of like, you know, how do I get this dim thing installed? So I just... Well, thank I'm, you from I'm, the community. I'm very pleased that it is helping other people and, you know, I'll try to keep being helpful. Great, great. Um, if people don't know how to find you online, where, where, what's the best way to track uh, you down? I am germdavis.wordpress.com. Uh-huh. Um, I think if you, if you Google Jeremy Davis Sitecore, you probably find that. Yeah. Don't leave the Sitecore off because apparently there's someone with my name who's some sort of rock star in America. No. So you, you won't get Sitecore content there. Well, you're, you're a Sitecore rock star, so... <laughs> 
Jeremy, thanks for being on Core Sampling. Uh, my pleasure. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Core Sampler. To see show notes from this and past episodes, please visit coresampler.fm. There, you can also subscribe to this podcast to get new episodes as soon as they're released. If you liked what you heard today, please tell a friend and then go to iTunes to rate and comment on our show. Even if you're using a different app to listen to us, those ratings and reviews really do help others find us. Are you a professional working with Sitecore and interested in joining the show? Or would you like to leave some feedback directly? We want to hear from you. Drop us a line at info at coresampler.fm. That is all for this episode of Core Sampler. We'll see you next time.